Hey guys, welcome to the Fox and Burger podcast, where we bring you closer to the Asian side of the furry fandom one episode at a time. I'm your co-host Fox. And I'm Burger. And for today, we're going to a country that we've never been before. Drumroll please, da 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 It's Malaysia. Accompanying us on this journey is Malaysian fur Halissa from Holistic Hybrids. She's been a furry since 2010 and started fursu making in 2015. We're excited to be heading to Malaysia with the one and only Halissa, so let's give her a big awoo. Awooka! Hi. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, so awesome to have you on the show. I've not heard your voice in like a month. I know, right? <laughs> I am now here. Yeah, and then this is the first time I've uh, actually talked with Halissa, I believe. And so far, you know, seems like a pretty cool person to talk to. <gasps> yeah, you too, it's really nice meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, I would say that it's really awesome to have you as a guest in, in particular, because like one, we can talk more about Malaysia and two, we can talk more about fursuit making, because I don't think for the past few guests, we've really talked about fursuit makers. We we had a Daza on the show, but I don't know if we had anyone else that's a fursuit maker. So it's nice to have another maker on the show to kind of give us like another perspective about fursuit making. So let's kind of just jump straight into it for our introduction. Could you briefly tell us about your persona and how you joined the fandom? Well, uh, well, okay, my persona is basically, it's not like a separate character. I, It's like, you know, persona, it's like I view, like how I view myself if I were to be a furry character, an yep. anthro character. My, my, my persona is a mm-hmm. spotted hyena and Chinese dragon hybrid. I've been changing the character actually for like a long time now, ever since like 2009 maybe. Uh, ever since when I was a little kid, I just love uh, animals and like mythical creatures, especially for a long time until back in 20... 2009 or 2010, I found out about furries. I found out about the furry fandom and I finally have like that, um, how do you say, title? I'm not sure, to like refer to myself, like mm. to be part of this fandom, you know? Sure. So, so yeah, that's how I basically joined it. I only started interacting with the fandom back in uh, 2014, I think. Mm. And that kind of, just quick question, like, did you attend the very first forum? The very first one? No, actually. Uh, oh, gotcha, I didn't gotcha. get to attend it, yes. But I did attend the, the second one, and then from there, I've been attending every single every single forum. So the first gotcha. one I've ever attended was uh, the 2016 one. I didn't get to awesome. attend the 2015 one. Yeah, I was just curious because I went there in 2018. I had a lot of fun. I haven't met you yet uh, at that point. I, yeah. It's funny because I met a lot of people through VR chat and Discord actually because of the pandemic. So I was really, it was really unfortunate that I couldn't get to meet all these people like IRL. But you know, I guess we're here now, and so that that counts for something. So let's just go ahead and jump straight into our guest spotlight then. So about fursuit making, uh, you mentioned that actually you started fursuit making 2015. Uh, but what exactly got you started though? Like, what was the spark? Well, I've been look. Uh, how do I say this? I I've uh, loved doing arts and crafts stuff ever since I, when I was a kid. It's my hobby. So when I found out about the furry fandom and I found out about fursuits being like a really big thing because the furry fandom basically is built out of art. If there's no art, there's no uh-huh. furry fandom. I can tell you that sure. legit. So sure. so especially when I saw the fursuits, it's really cool to me. I've been uh I've loved costumes ever since when I was little as well. So having like an animal costume it's like 
I love thing A and I love thing B, you combine them together, I would love it even more, you know. It's like a good combo. So, uh, I I had the spark when I started making something small. I actually started making, like, when I was a little kid, I actually was, like, uh, back in 2014, I, I was into, like, certain games and they had, like, uh, animal anthro, ca- anthro characters. So, I made things out of cardboard, actually. And then from there, I found out I could maybe actually do this and I slowly bought, like, more and more materials and like started to make proper fursuits and that's how it kind of started. Speaking about like sparks and inspirations, we've all had inspirations in our lives before. Uh, People have done things that give us like this sense of passion or like spark that interest, I guess. For me, uh, since I'm a voice actor, it was kind of looking at people like Troy Baker or Liam O'Brien. They do a lot of like video game stuff. Um, But for you, like, did you do you or did you ever have any like fursuit makers that have inspired you and as kind of like a follow-up question to what extent have they influenced your style oh yeah definitely the uh one of like a few of my favorites are actually they're they're usually more leaning towards a realistic fursuits so definitely like clockwork creature and like uh costumes and there's there's way more but i can't remember at the top of my head i love clockwork creatures that I would never be able to afford any of their costumes, but that is great stuff there. I know. Like, one of my earliest uh, memories of that maker is, like, watching a YouTube video of this one guy who has a clockwork creature, a wolf fursuit. He was wearing it in front of his cat, and his cat was, like, freaking out because of how real it was. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's how I know about clockwork creature. And, like, uh, there's also Christians from there. I, like, kind of look to more and more into it so definitely um while influencing the style i'm not sure because i n- never had the proper materials to make uh like the legit realistic realistic fursuit where they use resin i've never worked with uh resin bases before it, it definitely did influence my style but like i can never like actually properly do like a proper realistic fursuit i feel mm-hmm. yeah Sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of style, it seems that you may know this, but the kimono style that is more popular in Japan and Taiwan, I'm not sure if that's any popular in Malaysia. So are there any preferences with Malaysian furs in terms of like fursuit styles? Do they prefer the tunie style, the kimono style, a fusion of which? What do you think they prefer and what accounts for that preference? Oh, definitely Malaysia has a lot of uh, a lot of people who actually likes kimono. It's a very 50-50. Uh, like, uh, it's, it's, since Malaysia is a big mixing pot, like, we have different, all, like, all different cultures mixed over here. We have Asian influence, and yet at the same time, we have Western influence because uh, English is very much used over here in Malaysia. So there's a lot of times you could actually get access to and understand the Western community, basically. So for in terms of like uh, kimono being popular, it's very popular over here. But definitely it's like a 50-50. All kinds of styles is like basically popular over here. Like personally, I also love kimono style. So definitely. I think I think that's about it. Yeah, to be honest, kimono, kimono is, yeah, very, very popular over here. And and you said it's, it's popular, but it's only 50-50 with preference for kimono and the more Western Tunis style suits because of the Western influence that Malaysia has. Is that right? 
yeah, there's how do, there's no strong preference. You can't exactly see uh, a very big lean, very big bias towards one style or another. It's just mixed. Everyone just mm-hmm. likes like I guess any style to be honest. All right, good to know. So, how about in terms of animal species? What are some popular species maybe that you've been commissioned to make or that other makers have been commissioned to make in Malaysia? What are the more popular species and why do you think that is? To be honest with this one, it's the same as uh, in any other parts of the world like for for the fandom in the fandom. Uh, it's usually also canines, vulpines, felines like to be honest, it's just the same. There's nothing exactly like there's no special species from it, but yeah, no, to be honest, it's just usually canines and vulpines and and like cats and stuff. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna add in like a real quick cut in question here, um, to kind of mm-hmm. I guess like help the audience a little bit. Um, what kind of species have you uh made fursuits for, and maybe we can flash those on the screen like as you state them. Oh, okay. I've made uh locally. I've made foxes. I've mm-hmm. made Mordecai. Uh, what Mordecai is from Singapore? I'm thinking like Malaysia. Oh, sure, if sure. you're specifically saying from okay. Malaysia, or uh, I would say just any fursuits really. Like like if you yeah, it doesn't have to be for Malaysian furs. Like just any fursuits, any fursuits you made. Oh, any any fursuits I've made. Let me uh, how do you say? It? Okay, there is okay definitely uh wolves that wolf dogs and stuff. There's definitely uh tigers. There's dogs. There's foxes. Yeah, these these few. From the top of my head, I can think of these few, yes. Mm-hmm. I guess there's just something about human nature that draws us closer to these more common species, either in the West or in the East. I think there's just a lot of stories and like fiction stuff revolving around it, and there's a lot of people exposed to these species, you know, in terms of like, like in media and stuff. So I think that's why. I think that's why. It's interesting that you say that in particular, because there are plenty of elephants and monkeys and other primates that appear in these stories as well, but they're not as popular as like fursuits or fursonas either. Mythology and like old tales wise, uh, people don't tend to like, how do you say, look into that as much as something that they look up, purposely look up for, like on television shows that's like werewolf werewolf movies and there's like... um, how do you say a lot of like cartoons, animations that involves like like let's say dogs and stuff like you look at Disney and there's like Robin Hood, the the foxes and stuff. So that's something you you watch as a kid and something you get like the earliest influence that I can think of. Yes. All right. It's not like yeah yeah I I think like I think maybe that's the yeah maybe I think that's the the reason maybe it could be a factor. All right, that's a good explanation. We asked some users on Twitter for anything that they want to know from you. One of them is from Animagus. Is that how you pronounce it? Animagus. Yeah. Animagus Anim- fursuits. Uh, not sure. Yeah. Kiba. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they want to know: Is there a species that you want to try to make that you have not already made before? Yes, I want to make like a Chinese dragon so bad. I haven't. I have never. I've never made like a proper dragon before. the 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 only dragon I have made is Mod, which he's a shark dragon and cat hybrid. So it's like not like a fully like fully pure like a uh, dragon species, but 
that's like the closest that I have made. But I really want to make a Chinese dragon one. And what else? I actually really want to make um I haven't tried Sergos yet. Sergos and there's also um more birds. I really want to make a peacock. I love peacocks. Would you and make like it? other parrots? <laughs> I feel like a peacock would be an interesting challenge just because of how flamboyant their color scheme would be. Mm-hmm. Yes! But but man, it's going to look so good though. The colors! Unless you go for like a monotone kind of like... Or like albino, albino peacock, then that's another thing. But hey, it's still cool because of the tail. So for our next question, we we're actually like on this topic just a little bit. I think I think uh, when you mentioned about the difficulties of gathering materials, but our next question is actually what are some of the difficulties and challenges uh, you face as a fursuit maker in Malaysia? For So like I said, you know, um, you kind of touched upon this a little bit, but like, could you speak about the materials? What, what about finding clients? That kind of stuff. There's actually so much. There's so much. The materials, the ranging from materials to clients and like everything else, to be honest, it's always been hard. And especially when I have no reference to go go for because I'm the, um, how do you say, I guess one of the only fursuit makers here like that does it for, does it as like a job. Mm-hmm. So for, for gathering exactly. materials, all of my fur is from the US. So... A lot of makers and stuff, they have, they live in countries that has different seasons where they have, so you could source out fur fabrics locally because, uh, you know, winter and stuff, people make winter coats and stuff. Over here, right. no, it's like summer all year round, so you can never find fur. There is one store that sells fur, but it's only white and black and the quality isn't even that good. So that's about it. So I have to order from like... Uh, for for fabric sites from the US and stuff and the uh and buying it is like so expensive for for like within the US if you're ordering within the US the shipping fee for like a big box of fur the shipping fee is like probably like 20 to 40 dollars for us for me to ship that box over to Malaysia let's say the 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 box of fur it, it is worth 100 dollars i have to pay at least just to have it shipped to Malaysia. That's just the shipping fee only. Mm. And when it reaches to Malaysia, I have to pay for some reason a 40% tax just to get the fur delivered to me. So I I had to go through customs and and stuff. So even, yeah, yeah, no, even though it's actually listed, if you check the tariff codes uh, on, on government websites and all, it's supposed to be only taxed ten percent, but for some reason, they taxed it um forty percent. So the last time I had to pay, it was like, the the fur was like, do I have to convert it to US dollars? I have no idea how to do that uh in my in my brain. So uh, uh let me you say the up. you say the the ringgit amount. I'll convert. All right, bet. Okay, so it was like thousand two hundred ringgit just for the fur, and to deliver okay. it over here, it was on yeah with the with the shipping fee everything all together. When it arrived over here, I had to pay another 500 ringgit just to get the fur out of customs and I could get it delivered. So the cost and everything is definitely way much more higher. Yeah, so 1,200 ringgit is going to be 284 USD. 500 ringgit is 118 just for our audience. Yeah, definitely. And... uh, and to source our materials locally, other stuff like we have, uh, it's not just fur. Like let's say we have like fleece, and mm-hmm. 
and like different tools to use. Not uh, we don't have a lot of variety here, and we do not have the best quality a lot of times. So definitely, it's like there are times I had to actually order the stuff overseas as well, even though it's like very it's a very small stuff. But mm-hmm. when it gets shipped over here, it's very expensive. So really, when you make so, yeah. fursuits, uh, I guess like for you in, in Malaysia, not only do you take into account just the fact uh, that the cost of the fabric, but you had to take into account an extremely high tariff. In other words, yeah, the, the, the tariff cost because you're getting taxed like 40% of the uh, whatever the fur is. Yeah. And for the clients, there's actually way less because when you when you know how expensive it is to make a fursuit and plus you have right. to put in like your time and effort to have you know mm-hmm. profit and everything uh so fursuits are very hard to afford especially in malaysia so i to oh, be yeah. honest i don't yeah. have a lot of local clients i i have a name in the local community but a lot of my clients are from overseas because of course for a lot of malaysians my prices are really high mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and that really speaks to like the cost of living in Malaysia, because like guys, like this is a country. Um, we kind of spoke about this before, but kind of a message to the audience, like when we talked about Thai tales in Thailand. You know, these are countries that the people living in these countries, like the average citizen, does not make a lot of a lot of money, and so it's like you always have to kind of weigh that whenever you want to buy a fursuit and you don't live in a first world country. It's always like you know you always have to take into account like how hard it is to get a fursuit in the first place. But then also like, you know, it is going to take a lot of money because there's that shipping cost. There's like that tariff cost. And then there's also the labor. So there's a lot of things to mm-hmm. take into account. Everything is like super, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and, and, and definitely like, like, let's say like looking up for tutorials and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the times it's very extremely US centric or at least Western centric. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you get this stuff, uh, the thing that is like in American term, oh, you get it from this American store. So it's like, what does that mean? And I have to like go through like dictionaries and well, like <laughs> go through Google and stuff to like sure, sure. understand what it means and, and everything. Not just that, even like shipping things over, getting materials and stuff. It takes for like, like let's say within the US, you order fur and then like you can get it within like what, two or three days within the week. I have to wait sure, like three, sure. four weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so things work is delayed, work is extra expensive and stuff. So a lot of a lot of fursuit makers because most fursuit makers to be honest, they are in first world countries, they do not know the struggle that we have for a fursuit right. maker in a third world country. So I hope people yeah. like do understand because I did get criticism from, from third world audiences. They're like, Oh, your work are so like, you know, expensive. You must be rich <laughs> and like or you earn a lot of like from fursuit making it's like Thai no. Kwachang, <laughs> Yeah, it's like it. It kind of, it kind of like insults me a bit when people refer to like me as a first maker and like they they post that meme of like suspiciously wealthy furries, and I'm like, no, I'm not suspiciously wealthy. It's just everything's expensive. <laughs> yeah, and I'm 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 actually really impressed though. Like despite all these challenges, like that you're stating and and that we've been talking about, that you still continue to do it, and it's it's basically your full-time job and I'm not going to reveal your age, but it's just like, this is a very young person. So I'm, I'm always like, I always <laughs> admire the work that you do and how hard you work. I, I think in some cases it kind of inspires me to work a little bit harder though. Um, and I, I did want to add real quickly though, um, just so that, uh, the people get credited, uh, rating asked, um, the shipping question basically was ratings question 
Um, and then Nori also asked you a question about the difficulties and challenges. So hopefully uh, they'll feel happy that they got their questions answered. Yeah, I, yeah, I hope I hope that's a sufficient answer. Yeah, I think it's a pretty sufficient answer myself. Uh, but yeah. but let's talk a little bit more about perhaps where you see yourself in, let's say, the next five years. Where do you see yourself in the future? Is there anything that you want to do with your your studio, for example? Maybe you would want to do more collaborations or you want to design a new kind of suit. Definitely, I do want to um, try to make full suits. I can never try doing it currently because it's just extremely expensive, even just to like try to do it. And definitely expand my studio if I can, because currently my quote-unquote studio is just half a room. It's just a table and a floor. <laughs> and um, definitely get better tools and stuff so I could work faster right work better and yeah a more efficient and uh yeah a better workspace definitely have you ever thought about um i'm asking this because i know beast fantasia if you if i think the name will ring a bell for you um oh, i know beast yes. fantasia does this but have you ever thought about 3d printing um and using that to help with like heads for example or like pieces and stuff like that yes i did i did think about it but uh how do you say i want to keep each individual hit. Mm. So if, uh, even though I really like the idea of 3D printing, but I don't know if I have to find, uh, how do you say, someone to print the, uh, print the sculpts in a really, at least like a really good material. So mm. I haven't did enough research on that one yet. Sure, so sure. I cannot say much about it. But at the same time, I also want to keep everything unique. So like, for my hits, each and uh, each individual hits are like sculpted with foam and like using scissors. I sculpt everything from scratch. So gotcha. So so yeah. Okay, so as a follow up, would you ever want to expand your presence in something like VR chat? Because you don't just do first suit; you also do like digital art as well, right? Yes, I do. I do want to uh, see. Well, VR chat isn't my main audience. That's the thing. Uh, I would do it on the side. I usually, what I do is uh, I make models and like for animators, they want to like, if they want to use my, use my model or they want to like commission me for a model, that's what I usually do. I focus more on um, animation on game models instead of just like hmm. making it just specifically for VRChat. Like I would expand just like not specifically on VRChat. So to kind of uh, wrap up on this section here about fursuit making, I know we talked about like the difficulties of being a fursuit maker in Malaysia. Again, you're doing such a good job. So Tayo, um, our final question <gasps> on this Jayo. section, yeah, <laughs> our our final our final question for this section is: What's the best piece of advice that you can give an aspiring fursuit maker? Definitely never give up. I have been working on fursuits for actually almost seven years now. Wow. Seven? Yeah, almost seven years now. And it's been a long journey because I have to like go through so many s stuff that um, the OI listed earlier. I didn't have like proper materials, proper tools, but uh, the more you do it slowly, you know, you'll get your footing, you'll get your chance to like improve and everything. And every day, like each new suit I make, I still learn new things from it. Hmm. So definitely never give up and never stop learning. Yeah, that's the advice I would give. Awesome. 
Yeah, great advice. Um, I, I think that uh, well, I'll probably be curious to see what kind of future fursuits you do. Um, honestly, like what you said was extremely enlightening um, about the sort of like fursuit making process in Malaysia. And so thank you so much for giving your thoughts and opinions about that. I think we're ready to move on to our next section, our section about comparing and contrasting fandoms. And uh, what we want to do here is ask about how furry is perceived in Malaysia. So we'll ask we'll ask some questions about that. Um, so let's just kind of get straight into it. In general, though, how does the general population in Malaysia perceive furries? Um, do they think it's part of anime? Do they think it's like cosplaying, or, or you know, what can you what can you tell mm, us about that? Most of them, because furries aren't well known in Malaysia, unless like maybe if sure. you're you use English to communicate more, like more English educated, then you might heard of furries and you might know about the stigma of furries, but most of the time it's very neutral. They'll think it's like, oh, part of anime, part of cosplay, legit. Till to this day, I have like families, family members asking me, oh, you like, you do all these cosplay stuff, right? And it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, question mark, kinda? It, it, because uh, the most I could say is like, uh, you know, I make mascots and that's about it. I can't exactly say it's like, directly related to cosplay but i guess in a way it's also related to cosplay because to be honest the anime culture and the furry culture it's very similar hmm. so yeah all right so let's talk a little bit more about uh actual fursuits in malaysia how easy is it to go out and just walk around in a fursuit in malaysia in <laughs> real life so hard physically I know, right? Uh, summer, summer uh, for four seasons, right? That's the only season we have, unless you're talking about like what durian season, rambutan season. That doesn't count. But the, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, no. But over here, to give you a reference, the, at least to minimum, our uh, usually on average, our temperature is around like at least thirty-three degrees Celsius. So it's like plus the humidity, at least it's like what seventy-five percent. Ooh. So imagine wearing a fursuit under the sun in Malaysian weather, you know, in Malaysian weather. Legit, that's like the uh, the worst case scenario for a fursuiter. You you might get a heat stroke and stuff. So like, yeah, it's, it's it's very hard unless you go for go into like indoors and stuff like malls and uh, hotels and stuff where forum is in. Thank God. Uh, well, speaking of malls and hotels and stuff, how do local authorities feel about? The, that, that sort of costume do you need a permit or permission to go around and fursuit inside of a uh, private property or public property? oh yeah okay actually they did have i do not know enough about it but i know that for like let's say for like in malls and like hotels and stuff or like private properties you definitely need permission for it but for on the streets i don't think you need to Unless you're like a big group, maybe you need it. But if it's like just like a few people, I think you could just walk around on the streets just fine. But to be honest, who would fursuit on the streets? Unless it's nighttime. Over <laughs> here at least. Over here. But there's nothing too strict about it, I don't think. You just have to check for permissions, ask for permissions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And do you have at least one interesting or memorable story about fursuiting in Malaysia, maybe at Furum? Fursuiting experience? Definitely one uh, the most memorable ones are actually, because I only get to fursuit in uh, Furum, and uh, the most memorable part of Furum for me it's the 
the first walk sadly they didn't have it on 2019 mm. but i think it was on 2018 at 2018 no we went to the mall in 2018 if i'm not mistaken yeah i i think 2017 as well yes mm-hmm. so i was i was first suiting and at the same time cosplaying as an overwatch character so no, like, wait, you, wait you did your overwatch yeah. character in 2018 you did, you did Anna? Both 2017 and 18. No, no, no. What? Okay, so for 17, it was like Anna. Alright. No, no, 2016 as well. Yeah. And then... I, I saw your Anna cosplay. No, that, that's pretty boss, man. I never, saw, I never saw your cosplay in person, but your Anna cosplay looks great. <laughs> Thank you. I tried my best. But like, I was wearing my fursuit with the, the, Anna, cos- the, the Anna cosplay. And one was Sombra. Mm-hmm. But I'm ta- mainly talking about uh, Anna because I had a bucket of... It's a thing she does for her Halloween emote. She has like a bucket of candy and like she throws <laughs> it at people. So on the first walk, yeah. I was just passing a bucket of candy to like a bunch of kids. And there was like an auntie actually dragging me away from the escalator. Be like, I want candy. I'm like, okay, auntie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like a meme that became kind of uh, viral in the Southeast Asian furry community where I just like jumped in front of a Chili's and I was like, hi, welcome to Chili's. That became a meme. Oh, that. <laughs> so yeah, oh, people do. In the mall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, back dude, in twenty seventeen. I remember we broke the elevator in twenty eighteen. Uh, no, no, escalator. We what? Broke the escalator twenty eighteen. Yeah, um, you were there. Yeah, dude. Did you know that? Anyway, that that's probably not a story for another time. But yeah, the twenty eighteen <laughs> one. I mean, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Like that was the first time. No, I'd say I would say that's the second time I was in a quote unquote first suit parade. The first time was in JMOC, I think. But anyway. Yo, Paul. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. Good, shout out to Furrow, man. Wish, wish. Uh, Hopefully I can come back and hopefully the world will be a better place by then. Come back, yes! To get back on track, when you go out fursuiting, there's bound to be people who ask what you're doing. And uh, there's also people who might be curious about your job. So given all that, how do you go about explaining what furry or fursuit is to people outside of the fandom? And you may have talked about this a little bit already with explaining if your family asking about the whole cosplay business. Well, usually for the explanation, I'll just say that oh, it's like a bunch of people who likes um likes you know anthro animal art like creature art you know it's basically what it is. We are here to celebrate anthropomorphic art, legit all types of art. We have like dancing, drawing, we have like costumes and stuff. So to be honest, just that could like explain a lot of things. But for my job, I just say that. Just to make things simple, I would just say that, oh, like, I make costumes, I make, like, specifically mascot mm. costumes, just for them to understand. Because if I were to say I were to make costumes, a lot of people would think it's, like, oh, like, something like cosplay, like, really fancy, like, armor and stuff. Like, no, I can't do that. I make <laughs> people into animals. That's literally my sure. job. I make people poof animal. Yeah, I would just usually just, just say that. Usually mascot makes non-furry people understand then easier i feel rather than going through all the hassle of explaining what a furry is so how did your like family like i don't know like 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 your mother or father like how how did you like have to explain it to your family because like i said it's your full-time job so you probably had to at one point tell them like look mom and dad or whoever you're speaking to like look this is my job like i make costumes blah 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 so like how did you go about telling them that you are a fursuit maker and like you know, like, what, what did you do to explain to them about, like, your, your industry? Actually, I didn't have to, like, 
have like the sit down and explain to them about it because like <laughs> slowly when I started making them and like people locally actually asked me like you know they're interested in commissioning me for like a a fursuit head or something fursuit part so like slowly from there like I asked my mom mom can I like you know people paying me for the materials can I make this and they're like sure honey let's go and then like slowly like make more and more so it just kind of like mm. blends in and then like they just understand kind of like what I'm doing what I'm like you know go, uh, like me going down this uh, going going like on this like yeah. you know, path direction you know they I didn't have to exactly explain a lot they just kind of know and they're very accepting of it. I'm very, very lucky. Yeah, I, I would think so too. You know, like I think like a lot of people have trouble trying to explain, you know, what furry is to their parents. And like, you know, it, it, it almost feels like it's such a big thing or you always have like this kind of like internal fear about like being accepted by your family members because for some people, furry is a lifestyle. So I'm actually really happy to hear that your family members like really supported you, honestly. Yeah, well, for me, I didn't have to, like, how do you say, I didn't view it as, like, a completely, like, a really big lifestyle. Like, I don't fursuit often, sure. I don't do a lot of, like, furry stuff often, I just enjoy furry things. So, for me, it's easier for me to, like, kind of, like, have, uh, easier for them to accept it because I'm not changing a lot of stuff in real life. Because mm. ever since when I was little, they've been watching me, like, liking animals and drawing dragons when <laughs> I was, like, six and seven in class. And yeah. they know what I like. So for me to go to this like direction, it isn't surprising for them. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for answering that question. We just have one last question for you for tonight. Uh, and that is, what is your fondest memory that you had at Furum? And uh, this could be at any Furum that you've uh, been to. I Well, I don't have like a top favorite memory. But I have a few that that's like... It's more like with friends at forum rather than like me fursuiting. Does that count? Yeah, uh, that counts. Okay, well, the, one of the, the most recent one, which is like 2019 when I, I met Mod for the... He, he's, he's, he's a furry from the UK. I've met him for the second time at forum. And like for some reason he was like he's wearing shorts because it, you know it's hot and like for some reason I just like laughed at his knees and that's for some reason it was like a really fond memory and we were like in the hotel room and everyone just started laughing laughing with me but like, it's like a, it really it's a really stupid thing but I was just like saying how concave his knees was but that's that's <laughs> kind of like <laughs> I can't like, remember yeah I don't know why I met him I met him a couple times one at LAFC and then did, did I meet him for him I can't remember are his knees really that wait weird? you've met him yeah I met him at LAFC tell him that I met him at LAFC 2018 wait legit damn yeah yeah I met my yeah I know what he looks like <laughs> yeah maybe maybe he's wearing like long pants or something but ever since that day i sure. think I, I made him like really self-conscious about his knees yeah i'm so sorry mod <laughs> right. but the other sorry, one mod. the other one is like back in 2018 i think and we were all having a pizza party in a in a hotel room and for some reason i forgot who started showing me this twitter account of like really badly drawn like characters like popular like fictional characters with like really small heads and really really huge shoulders and i started laughing my ass off and i was on the floor i didn't drink any alcohol i've never gotten drunk before i was like laughing non-stop for like 10 minutes while everyone was trying to pull me up but that's about <laughs> it sure sure it's like did she drink no i've never 
drank. I've never gotten drunk before, but that that made me laugh my ass off. I don't know why. Big shoulders, tiny heads. <laughs> if if you could ever find that Twitter account again, then I'd love to see that too. That sounds like a great concept. I know, I know, no, no, no. If, oh, what, I'll, I'll have to ask around for it. I, I remember someone sending me more photos of it afterwards. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I'll definitely send it to you afterwards if I do find it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Actually, that's almost about it for this podcast. So we only have a couple more things. Firstly, can you give us some of your social media handles? Like, how do you want people to find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on uh, okay Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So just search up Holistic Hybrids for both Instagram and Facebook. But for Twitter, it's Holistic Hybrid because there's not enough. There's too many letters, so I can't put in the S there. <laughs> but yes, on on Facebook and Instagram, it's Holistic Hybrids. And for Twitter, it's Holistic Hybrid. I just find it hilarious how you turn your name into an adjective. Like, that is so holistic. I need to, I'm going to start that now. That <laughs> hashtag, that is so holistic. If it's I like, don't that's even so know what it so means. I just, like, I, I, when I made the name, I was like, oh my god, it sounds cool. Yeah, let's make it into a name. It's like, mm-hmm. now it is. I have no idea what it means, though. It just sounds cool. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a combination of hell and holistic. Hell holistic, is holistic. Hell. Hmm. Holistic. Holy. All right. Well, that will do it. Thanks once again for being a part of this podcast. We learned quite a bit from you. We learned about how expensive it can be to be a full-time fursuit maker as a as an occupation. Uh, we learned about the different styles that furries in Malaysia prefer and how it's more or less a 50-50 split. And we also learned about how you probably don't want to get caught outside in fursuit in the middle of summer, (laughs) spring, or fall in Malaysia. Like that exists. Wow. Yeah, really. (laughs) But thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And thank you, too, for accepting our offer. Uh, This has been the Fox and Burger podcast with Burger. And I'm the Matcha Fox. And we will see you in the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.